Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to another edition of Stargate Archives, and within it, Stargate Theatre. This episode, I'll be looking at the 2010 B-movie Stonehenge Apocalypse. Yep, it is exactly as bad as you think it's going to be. <laughs> Stonehenge Apocalypse premiered in the US June the 12th, 2010, and in France February the 5th, 2011. Don't have a date for the British sci-fi premiere. The movie was directed by Paul Ziller, who'd also directed such beauties as Icequake, Love on the Slopes, A Good Wink Christmas, Ruby Herring Mysteries, and the Stargate Atlantis episode, The Real World. The movie was written by Paul Ziller and Brad Abram. Paul's also written Bal, Metal Shifters, and Ghost Storm, plus many more. And Brad has written Robocop Prime Directives, Fresh Meat, Now You Know, and Canada Crew. The Rotten Tomatoes scores for this movie, no critic score, and audience 30%, which isn't too bad, all things considered. Now, why have I chosen this movie? Well, I can remember watching it many, 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 many moons ago. And at the time, may not have recognised a lot of the people in it. Now, of course, I looked through the IMDb cast list. I know that one. I know him. I know her. I know her. Yeah, you will see a lot of people from Stargate in this, including one of the main stars, Tori Higginson. Her co-star is Misha Collins, who we know from Supernatural. I will, of course, point out all the more well-known actors as we go along. Why not let's jump straight into Stonehenge Apocalypse. Raise yourself. <laughs> Here we go. The movie opens up with the production credits. Anchor Bay, Cinetel and Real One. Some well-known names in the industry. We get some narration. We're here because we want to know the real story. That's Misha Collins. I know that voice anywhere. We see rather poor CGI of... I assume it's Stonehenge, at least a Celtic-type stone circle. And then we move up to an underground location, Waterside in Maine, 10,000 feet underground. With armed guards. That's a bit strange. We see him working at a rock face. There's some hieroglyphics. Joseph Lesham comes on scene, and I know him, Hill Harper. He's moved on to bigger and better things. Last time I seen him was in Homeland and now The Good Doctor. So making B-movie, science fiction, monster movies isn't the end of a career. If you're good enough, you're good enough. You'll move on. He opens up a case and pulls out a golden arc, which flies across the room and embeds itself into the wall. Arcs of lightning streak across, the illumination brightens, screen whites out, and we're on the surface. Stone circle again, swords will be plain, stone edge. Straight in. No messing about with this movie. We get a good aerial view of Stonehenge. Again, the rather shoddy CGI. Really doesn't do the movie any favours. We hear a rumbling. The camera is shaking all over the place. And the altar stone is glowing red. Suddenly the outer circle begins to rotate, churning up the grass. Everybody starts screaming in terror. Then it stops. Electricity arcs between the stones and it bridges the gap with the old stone. As the people scatter, Portal energy shoots out, and they're all vaporised. So, not exactly what you expected on a day trip to see Stonehenge. I doubt the uh, holiday insurance is going to cover that. <laughs> right, so we cut to a very dark room, red on air sign. This is no doubt the narrator. 
Dr. Jacob Glazier, played by Misha Collins. He is hosting The Real Story. Without any doubt, Misha Collins is best known for playing Castiel on Supernatural, appeared in 146 episodes of that very long-running show. He's also been in a few other series early on in his career, Nip Tuck, CSI New York, Monk, ER, 24, Charmed, NYPD Blue. Time spent away from the camera, he created the Random Acts Charity, which does good works all over the world. Jacob takes a few calls, he gets a tip that there's something going on at Stonehenge, he uh, discards it. A second caller confirms it, that Stonehenge has been blocked off by the military, roadblocks and everything. Checks a few websites, he definitely sees that there's something going on in England. He gets some kit, gets in his car and starts to drive. And he rings Joseph. So, mm, interesting that is. Eventually he gets in touch with him. Joseph won't tell him what's going on, only that he's found something big. And perhaps Jacob should go to England, because it might be the last chance he gets. Very cryptic. We see that the British Army is out in force in Salisbury. A Land Rover pulls up, and Dr. Trousdale gets out, played by Peter Wingfield. you remember him as Tanith from SG-1. Also Mythos in Highlander. Well into medicine. He's currently at Cedars-Sinai, studying cardiothoracic anesthesiology. So, very smart man credit to anybody that makes such a major life change. Major Peatman, who greets him, we know him as well, Brent State. He played Ferretti in Stargate SG-1. He also took the role of Michael in an episode of Atlantis. Better known for Andromeda, of course, currently in Snowpiercer. We are introduced to Dr. Casey Leeds, played by Tori Higginson. Tori is, of course, why I have mainly picked this movie. She played Dr. Elizabeth Weir on Stargate Atlantis and SG-1. I think I first saw her in the series Tech War. She also guest starred in Dark Matter and is currently in Transplant. Dr. Drasdale is informed that they're detecting radio waves between the pillars at Stonehenge. And that's when we meet another scientist, David, Geophysics, played by David Lewis. Cameron Belinsky on Stardust Gate SG-1. Been in Parked, Harper's Island, Motive, Unspeakable. One of those actors that is in huge demand in the Canadian film industry. Appears a hell of a lot in the Hallmark series and movies. And his resume is impressive to say the least. His character, David, reports that they got a scan of the altar stone and it's showing electromagnetic anomaly within the stone itself. Trasdale informs them that we've got to solve this problem quick because see, the Russians are already indicating that the thing might have been an underground nuclear test. So a little post-Cold War intrigue. Could play a part. Now one thing is certain, they can pretend this is England with the uh, British cars and number plates and dodgy accents, but this is Canadian countryside if you've ever seen it. And since I've seen a lot of Stargate, I recognise this place. <laughs> Anyhow, Jacob gets out of the taxi, he does a ninja move and gets away from one of the checkpoints and waits until it's nightfall. He creeps up on Stonehenge, you can see it from a distance, it's outlined by spotlights and see people with hazmat suits with inside the circle taking uh, measurements with radiation detectors. We also see Dr. Leeds is taking core samples. She looks at some of the samples and mentions that the soil is discoloured. That's when the old stone starts glowing and there's an EM spike. And another former Stargate actor, Adrian Holmes, makes an appearance as a security sergeant. Great actor. Recently been in V-Wars, Arrow, Continuum 19-2. Played a couple of roles on SG-1 as Detective Ryan and a Special Operations Sergeant. 
As security alarm goes off, the ground starts vibrating, the stones start moving, lightning appears, strikes old stone, and once again we get this huge pulse of energy which kills one of the researchers. Fortunately, most of them got clear. The next scene, Yucatan, one of the pyramids. It looks like this mystery is going global. We hear some rumbling. The cover stones at the top of the pyramid compact together and slide into the base, and the whole pyramid explodes. And we see a view from orbit as a huge fireball engulfs the Mexican peninsula. They detect the explosion in the Salisbury Control Center. Dr. Trasdale doesn't seem too concerned. He's more worried about <laughs> the Stonehenge itself. We see in Maine, Joseph is still exploring. He has a map and he's looking for a particular chamber. Makes you wonder if he had the map before he started digging or they found the map afterwards. Jacob gets himself captured after he's spotted on CCTV around Stonehenge. And David makes a discovery. Pyrodictium cells are one of the oldest organisms on the planet, normally formed in volcanoes, and yet here they are reproducing in soil under the stones. Most curious. In the lab, they discover that within the radio waves, there's a component that is shrinking every time the signal recycles. They do a few calculations, and 37 hours and 1 minute 55 seconds. 54 seconds, 53 seconds. It's a countdown in the grand tradition of Independence Day. At this point, Major Peatman brings Jacob's bag. Dr. Trasdale isn't interested, but David takes it. Certainly he opens up, has looks, he's the map. Gives it to the doctor. Again, he dismisses it. Casey takes it and goes and talks to Jacob. He explains about the map that the ancient civilizations built structures atop energy conduits. And that the one in Maine has yet to be discovered. But of course we know from the movie that it has been discovered. And kind of kickstarted this whole thing off. Casey is called away. The scan of Stonehenge is underway. Humvee pulls up outside the lab. Yay, the Americans are here. General Forshaw gets out. The general's played by Michael Copter. Seen him in SG-1 as General Kerrigan and a news anchor. Also been in The Fringe, The Dead Zone and more recently The Chronicle Mystery Series. Very prolific voice actor as well. Dr. Trisdale approaches him, shakes hands and informs him that they've run into a bit of trouble. But not to fear, as I said. The American military is here. In my world, if something's counting down, it usually ends with a boom. The general considers Stonehenge a national security risk. World leaders agree, and it's been slated for demolition. Soldiers attach C4 to the stones, and, well, this, this ain't a very good idea, is it? The very fact that Stonehenge is an energy source of unknown properties, and you're going to blow it up? It's like attaching explosives to a 55-gallon drum of diesel. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> uh, Jacob hears about this, and he... he calls Dr. Leeds, but uh, the guard, he's not listening. I've got a feeling that in a while, they'll realise what, what a mistake they're making. <laughs> the explosives are triggered. Huge explosion. Lightning pulsing around Stonehenge. And when all the dust settles, it's still there. Everybody's in the control room is shocked. The general demands to know what the hell happened. Magnetic shield sprang up and deflected all the explosive energy. So, how do we destroy it? <laughs> Anybody? Questions? Answers? Nope. Casey speaks up. Uh, there might be somebody who knows. This might be Jacob's chance to finally get to meet somebody who's going to listen to him. Or not. <laughs> As the case may be. Meanwhile, in Waterside, Joseph breaks into the chamber he's searching for, followed closely by his assistant, played by Nimit Kanji. 
We've seen her in Stargate Atlantis, playing Dr. Bryce in the episode Grace Under Pressure. The walls of the chamber are covered in pictographs, volcanoes, structures, explosions, mentions of a prophecy. So there is certainly more going on here than just some sort of, well, <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it. Ancient power conduits, structures built on focal points where this energy could be collected, life-giving properties, very mythic. Joseph scans the stone altar, and again, just like the one in Stonehenge, there's something inside. He identifies a symbol which is on a piece of parchment he's got. Good of the ancients to leave maps around. <laughs> Jacob finally gets an opportunity to explain his theories. He pulls a website up. It's got reference to the Antikythea mechanism, which was a piece of technology found off the coast of Greece, supposedly very, very old and very, very complicated considered to be maybe one of the first analog computers ties in very nicely with ancient technology stonehenge pyramids basically his argument is that this device is the key it will activate or deactivate stonehenge it is at least physically on the surface the same shape that we're seeing in the stone altars dr trasdale totally indifferent to this he's very very condescending peter is laying on the scorn with a shovel Anyhow, Jacob gets dragged away, and just as he's being led away, alarms go off, lights are flickering, here we go again. They notice that the countdown has hit 30 hours, cycling at 10 hours per event. We then get a view of a new pyramid, the structure changes design, it sinks into the ground and there's a huge explosion again. Seen from space, billowing clouds of ash and flame, Java has been flattened. If you live near a pyramid, move quickly. News reports flood in of tsunamis, floods, earthquakes, millions dead as Indonesia is flattened. Casey then talks to Major Peatman. She says she's got to do something desperate. Got to take Jacob and get the device he talks about. It's really the only thing she can think to do. Meanwhile, General Forshaw mentions to Dr. Trasdale that Directive 1015 might be brought into play, which is basically nuking Stonehenge. Not a good option. Charlesdale looks to jam the radio waves between the stones, maybe with the use of a nearby radio telescope. Meanwhile, Jacob and Dr. Leeds, along with the Major, are driving towards the airbase. They're talking about Paradictium, a bacteria, an oxygen generator that was around maybe at the beginning of life on Earth. And he says, maybe he's crazy, but what if the planet's going to be terraformed? I think the planet's being terraformed. Terraformed! You're right. That's crazy. No, listen. Pyridictium, it's one of the ancient organisms that first oxygenated our atmosphere, right? Everything that Stonehenge is doing, the volcanoes, the quakes, the bacteria, that's how you create a life-sustaining environment. The experiment with the radio telescope is ready. They begin sending a jamming signal towards Stonehenge. The signal from Stonehenge reacts, starts shortening its wavelength. The jamming signal follows suit. We're soon scaling up, we're going through uh, higher higher and higher pitches, moving in towards visible light. It's only when they get to the gamma ray spectrum that the doctor calls it off and has to explain to the general that uh, this is atomic radiation we're dealing with here. The spectacular light show around Stonehenge gradually fades as the machine comes back under control. We put to a new location, America Foundation for Archaeology in New York. The curator is waiting at the main entrance. Casey, Jacob and the Major arrive, and the curator is played by David Lovgren, 
He's appeared three times in Stargate, twice on SG-1, as Daryl Grimes in the excellent episode Bounty, and Velar in Threshold. Atlantis, he was Killor in uh, Inquisition. Not the best Atlantis episode, has to be said. However, he guides them into the museum, and they get to the device. It's kind of a funky museum. There's no ropes or security features around the exhibits. They're on freestanding pedestals. Can't help but think that uh, anybody trips, they're going to knock over something very, very valuable. However, the device is in a case. It looks reasonably inert, but Jacob detects an energy field around it. The lights flicker, and the device starts to glow. At this point, we hear alarms going off, and then gunshots. As people burst into the museum, exchange a fire between the guards and whoever these people are. Priceless antiques are <laughs> shattered. Go and explain this to the insurers. Laurel Chartrand is one of the gunmen. He's actually the stunt coordinator for this production. Excellent resume in the stunt industry, both as a standard performer and coordinator. Acting-wise, I've got to say, resume is pretty good as well. In terms of Stargate, he appeared as a Jedi soldier in The Storm. He's also been in The Rookie, Arrow, War of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, and whoa, way back when, a stunt performer on MacGyver. <laughs> He's been around a while. Casey hides in a delivery van, unfortunately. She's discovered by one of the gunmen. She runs into the distance, shots are fired, we don't see her fate. Meanwhile, Jacob is back into the museum, sees that the Major is down, and who else is there but his friend Joseph. Not a good reunion. Joseph reveals that he has indeed found the Lost Pyramid that Jacob believed existed. The device is the key to, if you will, activating a shelter designed to allow people to survive the apocalypse. A new world is on its way. The old one will be cast out, remade, and Joseph and his followers will be there to reap the benefits. Jacob, of course, wants to stick with the old, dirty world, and he gets tracked over the head for his desires. What happened to you, Joseph? Where is your humanity? The world is dying here. No, no, not dying. Changing. I want you to be a part of this in the beginning. You want me to come live with you and a bunch of lunatics in a pyramid? Well, after being unconscious for most of the night, Jacob wakes up and finds Casey waiting outside for him, so she managed to dodge the gunman. <laughs> Unfortunately, Major Peatman is dead. Rest in peace, sir. Jacob reveals that friend Joseph has the device, and they've got to go to Maine. This is surprises Casey, because this is new to her. Meanwhile, Dr. Trasdale overlays Jacob's map, because the 20-hour countdown is close at hand. Stonehenge activates, and the pyramids at Giza detonate. North Africa, Middle East, they're in chaos, and the Mediterranean starts flooding Egypt. So, not good. The good doctor then tells the general, get the authorization for a nuclear strike. Oh dear. Casey attempts to contact Dr. Drysdale via sat phone. They finally get through. They explain where they've been. They've seen the device. It's real and it's been stolen. She requests some help. Everly harmed police units. They're on the way to Waterside. And this is where we meet another Stargate actor, Aaron Pearl, who played Lieutenant Hammond and Major Kearney in SG-1. Also been in Supernatural, Wedding March, Lost in Space and Arrow. He's the captain of a SWAT team. Dr. Leeds and Jacob, they've got some heavy backup. We see inside the mines, just outside the temple, sanctuary, whatever you want to call it, a group of people that can only be described as uh, worshippers. 
They are called the Chosen Few by Joseph, who is very much acting in the cult leader role. Are you ready for the new dawn? Yeah! Bring all of them to the underground chamber. <laughs> then I will seal our sanctuary. He has the mechanism and he places it on the altar. It starts to glow. The rock that's around the device just disintegrates, leaving just the technology itself. The ground starts to shake and a huge pyramid rises from the ground. To say everybody's amazed would be an understatement. But Jacob knows about the prophecy that during the creation there would be a sanctuary. And this is it. A sanctuary for who though? The good guys, the bad guys, the lucky, the unlucky, who knows? The general returns with confirmation that he's been given permission to use the nuke. He orders a evacuation of everybody within a hundred mile radius, which Given this is England, that's half the bloody country. You ain't going to get this done in half a day. <laughs> Sorry, General, but no. Jacob and Casey, along with the remaining SWAT members, approach the pyramid in Waterside. They have to use a grenade to blow open one of the doors to gain access. There's a firefight inside with some of the armed guards. The Mechanism and Joseph have gone, though. They leave the pyramid in pursuit, head into the woodlands. The 10-hour mark hits. There's a rumble... And they see on the map that all the energy conduits are alive and huge amounts of energy is being funneled into Stonehenge. David believes that will be the death blow. So, 10 hours to go before the end of the world. Woohoo! Meanwhile, Casey and Joseph are still in the woods. A gunshot rings out and Casey gets hit in the arm. Jacob finally confronts Joseph. Joseph says only the Chosen can be saved. We don't really get an explanation how the Chosen are, well, Chosen. They didn't look a particularly bright bunch, it has to be said. They were all ages as well, so if you're going to repopulate the world, perhaps you want people a little bit younger. They had some supplies with them, but wouldn't have thought not enough for God knows how long. This device may indeed terraform the planet, but that doesn't mean there's going to be bountiful food the next day. I think Joseph maybe have gone into this with a vision, but kind of lost his mind along the way. Anyhow, the SWAT captain distracts him, a couple of gunshots. There's a struggle between Joseph and Jacob, another gunshot, and Joseph falls to the ground dead. Less than 10 hours to go, they need to get to a USA base, get on a supersonic transport, and get to Stonehenge so they can use the device. The general is sceptical to say the least. Dr. Trasdale says he's got nothing to lose. You know, <laughs> in 10 hours, the bomb drops or it doesn't. Why not give it a go? So the general authorises the plane, but he says they're on their own. He's not going to risk any of his men. Casey, going to stick along for the ride. Dr. Drasdale, Marla and David all decide to stay behind despite the threat of the bomb. As we know, Joseph had a spy in the midst. Question is, which one? At this point, my money's on probably David, because he gave him a very funny look when he heard that Joseph had been killed. Then again, Marla looked very unusual as well. <laughs> it's been too long, I can't remember, I assume it's one of them, I can't remember which one though. It hasn't been that long since I've seen the movie. And I don't think it's Dr. Trasdale. But it could be. <laughs> Let's find out. Jacob makes it to England in what looks like a Rockwell B1 Lancer, supersonic swing-wing bomber. Or at least a very average CDI representation of such. Definitely got the speed to cross the Atlantic quickly. Anyway, he's in a jeep now, so the clock's ticking. Come on, Jacob. David's watching a number of news reports, global catastrophes, with a strange look on his face. He looks reasonably happy. And then, yep, it's David. 
David's a spy, the collaborator. Joseph Lachem's colleagues once laughed at him when they said the planet had been terraformed into a habitable world by other beings. I guess they're not laughing now. Yeah, David has really got delusions of grandeur. He's drank the Kool-Aid without any doubt. Dr. Drasdale continues to protest. He gets shot for his benefit. David then shoots Mahler. <laughs> oh well. We see an F-16 moving in towards Stonehenge, carrying the nuclear missile, 12 minutes to launch. We jump forward a bit, three minutes. Jacob meets up with David outside the lab. David's all friendly, but thankfully the doc, even though he's seriously wounded, comes out, shouts a warning, gets three more bullets put into him, and Jacob drives off. David in chase. The F-16 is getting closer. Suddenly sparks start sprouting all over the cockpit. EM shockwave disrupting the electronics. Pilot reports got to manual targeting. Same time, the jeeps fail as well. So all electronics, internal combustion, everything like that is going down. Although fortunately for the jet, its engine is still working. Jacob's making a run for Stonehenge. He gets shot in the leg, wobbling along. Gets shot again in the back and he goes down and drops the mechanism. Oh, is this the end? One minute to go. Pilot is in a nosedive, he drops a missile, pulls off and heads away. David, well, just as a typical bad guy, can't help but gloat. Jacob, last grasp of energy, throws himself at David and the device pours onto the altar where it sticks and it takes effect. Huge energy column flows up into the sky, blue in... <laughs> Well, come to think of it, like many superhero movies these days, blue bolt of energy shooting up into the sky to hail the finale. Fortunately, it totally obliterates the nuclear missile, so no worries there. And then, quiet. News reports start coming in, volcanic eruptions have died down, no more earthquakes. It's going to be years before the atmosphere cleans up with all the dust that's been thrown up, but everything is getting better. We cut to a scene in the hospital, there's Dr. Leeds looking through newspapers, and sees one headline, Dr. Jacob Glazier. Was he the hero? Did he save the planet? Question mark. And we cut to a scene very familiar, how the movie started, a black room, a microphone, a red on the air light. As Dr. Casey Leeds says, they're looking for the real story. She's carrying the mantle that Jacob laid down. And the movie ends. The Earth is saved. Who knows, perhaps Joseph had the right idea, perhaps terraforming the earth and reseeding the planet was the way to go. We may never know. Perhaps this has been done before. We might not be the first generation of humanity. Anything is possible in science fiction. Right. <laughs> Stonehenge Apocalypse. What did I think? I enjoyed the movie. Great cast. The CGI? Not good. Not good at all. The pyramids, Stonehenge, very basic CGI. The plane? Ah, the F-16 was very nice. I've got a feeling that may not have been done for the movie. They might have lifted that from another production. Because, as I said, the supersonic bomber they showed us, that was very poor. Again, spent the money wisely on the cast. The location work in Canada, perfectly acceptable. Quite a lot of the movie was shot on location, so it always does ramp up the cost. But overall, you know, excellent B-movie. It premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel, so probably talking about a budget of no more than 2 or $3 million standard that Sci-Fi Channel went for in those days. And you can't really complain, you know, it's, it is two hours of throwaway television. But worth the watch. Trust me. <laughs> okay then, that was Stonehenge Apocalypse. Not sure what I'll be doing next time. Probably another Stargate Theatre. The exact movie, I'm not quite so sure. I'll have a look through my collection and see what's available. Or even streaming, we'll see. If you want to join me on the podcast, talk about Stargate, or maybe 
You've got a favourite B-movie that stars somebody from Stargate you'd like to talk about either. I'd love to have you on. If you want to get in touch with me, you can through stargatearchives.com, stargatearchives at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Tumblr. Just do a search for The Gatecast. We're on Stitcher. We are on Twitter at The Gatecast. And you can find the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Podbay, TuneIn, and I think two or three more, which I can't remember at the moment. We also have manual RSS feeds you can copy and paste into your podcatcher for both the Gatecast and Stargate archives. Right then, hope you enjoyed my look at Stonehenge Apocalypse. Tune in next time. Till then, I've been Mike. Take care. Bye-bye.